Behold, a gateway to your own past, if you wish. It's strange, it's alien, and it won't give us what we would like to have. If it's Tuesday and it's 8 o'clock, it must be Dave Does History on Bill McLive. Welcome to the September 27th edition of the program. Good to have you along on 92.7 FM, 1240 or 1350 AM and the iHeartRadio app. Find us in all those places should hurricane coverage become necessary over the next couple of days. We are keeping an eye on Ian and we will see how it impacts us. Last shift I saw was a little more to the west and maybe alleviating some of that rain and concerns from us. But the West Coco Pharmacy bringing you this hour as we take our uh, weekly deep dive into history. Dave Bowman, how are things in Silverdale, Washington? I'm guessing you're not facing down a hurricane. No, we're not. But but it makes me wonder, I mean, if, if it wobbles to the left or to the west, I guess, doesn't that mean somebody else is going to get whacked? Hey, if it's New Orleans, they, we don't mind. I'm with you on that one. It really didn't look good this week. <laughs> I am with you on that one. Happy Samuel Adams Day. Yeah, it, it is. is uh, birthday? It is his birthday. Samuel Adams, born this day in 1722. We know names, but do we know anything about him? Do we know? He's one of those people that we always say, well, Sam Adams, founder and framer. Do we really know him? Probably what do we know not. about him? Here's a here's an interesting thought, you know, building on your last hour. You know, you were talking about Edward Snowden. How do you think King George III and the British would have seen Samuel Adams? As a traitor. These words were actually written in 1775. Uh, this is a guy, he's a Tory, and he is writing to his relatives back in England about what's going on. And he wrote these words. Messrs. Hancock and Samuel Adams happened to be in Lexington on the night before the battle. They heard the King troops were, King's troops were coming and their guilt whispering in their ears that the design to take them into custody, they ran away. They fled. Peter Oliver, who was a Tory in 1775, wrote those words about Samuel Adams, uh-huh. which is not the vision that we have of him, is he? Is uh, it? No, generally not. It, as you said, Primarily what we know him for is beer. Isn't that sad? Well, it, it's even sadder than you think, because what kind of beer do you think Samuel Adams actually brewed? None. None. Yeah, he exactly. Not, he was not a brewer at all. He was a that malter. Was a great name to grab onto, right? Yeah, it's a Boston. Boston connection. Right. Yeah. Your cousin from Boston. Mm-hmm. He was a malter. He made malt for the beer, but he didn't actually make the beer so you kind of wonder sometimes if if that's the case now keeping his name alive i'm okay with but when we don't really know anything about the guy other than beer and and an annoying cousin from boston it kind of uh, it kind of plays into this idea that we don't really know our history we know the names uh-huh. but we don't know we were told names, we were told dates and events, but that's about all that we were really expected to learn. And really with Sam Adams, what dates do you know? Yeah, none. I mean, not now, none. I, and now I know his birthday because you told me. Right. It's almost that's like he's, 
it's almost like he's Instagram famous. What is he famous I, for? I have a feeling that you're going to alleviate our lack of knowledge on Samuel Adams in this hour. We're going to do that in 60 seconds with Dave Bowman. Dave does history on Bill McLive in just a minute on WMMB. Dave does history on Bill McLive every Tuesday in our 8 o'clock hour. Dave Bowman. So who is this Samuel Adams guy? Well, Sam Adams was born this day on the new style calendar. Now, keep in mind, there was a shift in the calendar. So you may see somewhere where it says September 16th, which would be my mother's birthday. but because of the shift in the calendar, it's September 27, 1722 in Boston, Massachusetts. We can't even agree on dates. That's how bad this is. Yeah, that's, I mean, boy, how, yeah. how are we ever going to get along if we can't agree on a date? That's right. Boy, I didn't even think of it. In those, it's one of the few <laughs> notes I didn't make. But he is born to a very wealthy merchant. Um, there's a very high mortality rate, infant mortality rate. He manages to survive. But the thing you need to keep in mind is that his family is very... Very devout Puritans. In fact, later on in his life, he will be referred to as, quote, the last Puritan. Really? And everything in his life is really wrapped up in this almost Oliver Cromwell-esque attitude that he's looking, you know, towards life. He hates the king. He hates the monarchy, which, of course, is very Puritan. That's that's who they were. That's what they were. And so it's no big surprise that by the time the troubles start to build with, with England, Sam Adams is managing to find himself, you know, smack dab in the middle of all this, because again, Boston is where a lot of this really starts. Mm -hmm. And really in the early days of the troubles, most of the British government believed that it was really just Boston. If we could just get Boston under control, the rest of these people would be just fine. They'll be loyal and everything else. And so you talked about this influence in the last hour. How can we, how can we, I think it was Sally talking about, you know, how can we communicate these ideas out? Well, people like Sam Adams and John Hancock and the like, they mastered the, the idea of communicating these ideas to the rest of the colonies, the rest of the country that otherwise probably wouldn't get out. And so when we look at Sam Adams, that's the first thing we need to keep in mind is he was a genius when it came to PR. He understood how to use newspapers, speeches, who needed to be speaking when. He was the Twitter of the day. He, in many ways, he really was. I mean, it's, it's funny to me because I talk a lot about Twitter, but, but uh, in many ways, American communication via newspapers and broadsides and the like was very well organized and very well created. And Sam Adams is in the middle of that. He understands this stuff and along with Hancock and some of the others, but he knows that this information has got to get out and it's got to get out in a cogent way that reaches people where they are. And so that they will understand he is. I've been saying that all week long, right? Well, <laughs> Sam Adams might be a good model to look at. He's a, he's a firebrand. He is labeled the firebrand. I mean, Really, when it comes to the spark of the American Revolution starting, you know, very early on in the 1760s into 1770s, Adams is is the firebrand. But keep in mind, that's really his Puritan background. The Puritans, I can't emphasize this enough, hate the royalty. They okay. they hate kings. They hate that kind of thing. And so it's almost like it's his family business 
to to try and bring down kings because this is what Puritans have been doing since the time of Oliver Cromwell. He ends up helping to found an organization, you know, the organization called the Sons of Liberty. And it's here that he begins to preach something that is really, really important to understand. In fact, Ben Franklin will later on draw this into a cartoon that becomes one of the most famous political cartoons ever. And that is join or die. He really pushes for colonial unity. We have to do this together. Can't just be Massachusetts. It's got to be everybody or we're not going to get anywhere. And if we don't get anywhere, if we don't unite around this idea of liberty, then the king and the British government are going to crush it because that's what kings and British governments do. and, and, And we should know this. And so it's really Sam Adams that comes up with that idea, even though Ben Franklin will later draw that into that cartoon, which everybody has seen. That's the snake that's divided up into little pieces. Yeah, absolutely. And each piece has a colony's name on it. Join or die becomes the idea. After some of the earlier incidents, Sam Adams decides to kind of step back. He thinks, well, maybe maybe I'm just, you know, he, he has that existential crisis that we all go through when we're not sure that that we're doing the right thing. And he steps aside. And in 1772, something happens prior to 1772, the state legislature of Massachusetts paid the governor, the Lieutenant governor, the judges, the state paid those salaries. This was considered to be a very important check on executive power because if we're paying you, you know, you don't get out of line or we'll just stop paying you. But in 1772, the British government announces that from now on, they will pay the royal officials, the royal governor, the judges, all this stuff in in Massachusetts. And this causes Sam Adams to get very, very fired up because he sees this as a direct attack on colonial liberty, particularly in Massachusetts. And it's this point where Sam Adams really becomes a thorn in the side of the British and he will make them pay and pay and pay and pay again and again and again. He is not happy and he isn't having none of this British interference anymore. He got it started. He is uh, he is a strategist, a communicator. And then he stepped away because he just wasn't really sure that's what that he was going to get. What all the participation, I, think, I guess. I think we all go through that, don't we, Bill? Don't don't we all kind of go through that existential moment of am I really accomplishing anything here? Am I re-? only about every other hour right. of the show every exactly. day? Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we do that all the time. Yeah. Only 12 yeah. people listen to the show. What? Yeah. Why am I we, doing we're it? performers? Right? right. We always question our abilities. Dave does history on Bill McLive. Uh, got a call on hold, Dave. We'll try to get to that momentarily. If you want in, it's 321-768-1240. Artemis rolling back to the uh, VAB just in case the hurricane does all of this. And uh, you can see it on demand. Spacelaunchschedule.com brings you that at BillMick.com. Hey, this is Whitey. And this is Hank. And you can listen to our podcast, Two Pint Talk, on all your favorite podcast sources. So come check it out where we talk about two beers and And everything, a lot of stuff. (laughs) 
Listen to Two Pint Talk on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Justine, bringing you late night talk for those that go to bed early. Listen to my podcast, What's Justine Thinking, every Wednesday and Friday on Anchor and Spotify. The West Coco Pharmacy bringing you the hour. Nice to have you along as Dave does history on Bill McLive. O'Galley Electric bringing you the Stormwatch page. All the information you need before, which is where we are now with Hurricane Ian. During, which is where we'll be if it should decide to send remnants this way. And after, should we have any major impact, we'll be right here. Operation Stormwatch brought to you by O'Galley Electric. Yes, Dave, it's a twister. (laughs) Dave, let's get a phone call in real quick. We're going to check in. Barry, normally in Palm Bay, now in Massachusetts today, interestingly enough. Hey, Barry, welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. And, of course, uh, anywhere I go, I bring my computer and I punch up iHeartRadio so I can hear the Bill Mix show wherever I go. That's because you're the man, Barry. Uh, Dave, good morning. Um, you know, every 4th of July, I watch on TCM my favorite movie, 1776, which highlights the problems between uh, New England and the South and slavery and the First Continental Congress. And I kind of remember that uh, uh, William Daniels, who plays the part of uh, Sam Adams, is a, is a real firebrand. And I remember um, Ned Rutledge from South Carolina sings a very impressive song called Molasses to Rum the Slaves. And the, the song ends with the fact that, well, it's new, uh, you may not like our institution of slavery, but uh, it's New England captains, New England ships that transport those slaves to the United States. And the last line is, hail Charleston, hail Boston. Who thinketh the most? My question is, how close is seven, the movie 1776 to the actual Sam Adams? Ooh, hmm. interesting question. Dave, any thoughts? Well, it's a movie, so not very. Um, <clears throat> much of what happened in the Second Continental Congress. Are you was, saying they didn't sing to each other? Is that what you're no, telling us? Yeah, <laughs> probably saying that. Uh, remember that Sam Adams was a Puritan, so he wouldn't have he wouldn't have countenanced that anyway. But um, right. you know, the interesting thing about Sam Adams is that he's such a Republican that he probably, while he probably hated the institution, well, he did. He hated the institution of slavery. He wouldn't have been willing to to take somebody's slaves away because it was property and he believed very passionately in life, liberty, and property. He would have believed in solving so you're it wrong for doing it, but it belongs to you. There's yeah. And, and we've got to, okay. we've got to sit down and talk to each other and resolve this situation the way we're supposed to, rather than me just marching in and taking over. So uh, it's look 1776 is a good movie, but if you're looking for historical accuracy, probably not going to find a whole lot there. So. All right. Very good. Barry, thanks for joining us from uh, Massachusetts this morning. And, you know, when Sam Adams grew up, he became the voice of Kit in Night Rider. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> Again, he was Puritan, probably wouldn't like television. So yeah. I'm sure he'd so like there radio. you have it. All right. So where by, are we at now, Dave? So by 1774, Sam Adams is actually going to do something that he's never done before. You ready? He's appointed okay. to the First Continental Congress. But he has never been outside of Massachusetts before in his life. And because he's a Puritan and because he's kind of a, we would call him today, kind of a back, you know, he's kind of a, it's kind of a nerd. 
he doesn't even have clothes to wear to Philadelphia that would that, that wouldn't look good. So his friends actually buy him a new suit to send him to Continental Congress, where he goes in 1774. There, along with his his cousin John Adams, they are generally considered to be the leaders. You know, the the Boston leaders of all this stuff, along with John Hancock and and those, and. As Thomas Jefferson will later say of Sam Adams in the first and particularly the second Continental Congress, quote, if there was any polynurus to the revolution, Sam Adams was the man, unquote. So you got a Thomas Jefferson dropping. He's the man bomb. But Uh then you've got this this sideways comparison to polynurus, who is a figure from Greek mythology, who is the helmsman for Odysseus's ship. He's the guy that actually steers the ship and keeps them on course. And that's what, that's what Adams does during the second continental Congress. He literally serves as the whip of Congress. Now they didn't have that name yet, but, but he is literally the guy that's running around, pushing people to vote, pushing people to do this, push. You, you've got to get all this stuff. You've got to get on board with this, with this push for independence. And it's really Sam Adams who behind the scenes, is really, as as Jefferson says, guiding this whole thing, even though bigger names will write it, bigger names will make the, the resolutions, and of course, a bigger signature, John Hancock, will take the lead. But it's Sam Adams who is as responsible for American independence as literally anyone else. We just There's don't know. There's a lesson it. there in how our governments operate today. There's a lesson there in humility, isn't there? He could have been, he could have written an autobiography talking about all the great things he did, but he didn't. It fell to Jefferson to say, hey, Sam Adams, he the man. And he is. We let you in at 321-768-1240 as the West Cocoa Pharmacy makes this hour of the program possible. Don, Doc, and the staff working with your doctor to get you the most cost-effective treatment for whatever it is that ails you. They're big about saving money. They're also big about service. And speed, things you're not going to get from an internet pharmacy, things you're not going to be able to do with local delivery at no charge to most areas in Brevard. Cost plus pricing that passes their savings and buying power onto you um, and discounted prices from their providers that bring you things like Sedonafil, the generic for Viagra, penny a milligram, 20 milligrams, 20 cents, 50 milligrams, 50 cents. You got that. So uh, learn more about the West Cocoa Pharmacy at CocoPharmacy.com and give them a call. It's 321. 321- 305-6909. They're bringing you this hour of Bill McLive, where Dave does history and Sam Adams responsible for more than we knew. So let's go back to what you were talking about last hour for just a moment. You were talking about how the some people see the Republicans as wanting to destroy America. Yeah. Remember that? And how do you get along with these kinds of people? Yeah. Sam Adams. If they truly believe that. And if we truly believe the other, how is there ever any diplomacy or statesmanship? To get anything done. Sam Adams would have fit right in with that theology. He believed that loyalists in the state of Massachusetts and, in fact, nationwide should be treated like crap. He believed that they should be arrested. They should be imprisoned. Their material, their, their property should be taken because he believed that they were trying to destroy America. He wanted them done away. When the war ends. He doesn't even want them to come back to Massachusetts, the ones that went to to England or New York or wherever. He's an advocate for not allowing them to come back to the state at all. Get rid of them. He believes that a state is never free 
except when each citizen is bound by no law whatsoever that he is not approved of, either directly or through his representatives, which comes right out of Sparta, by the way, the Spartans who had this, you know, said about them at one point, they are free, yet they have a master, their law. It's, it's Adams who believes that just so fervently. And he wants these people just absolutely obliterated because of that. He wants laws. He should have crafted them a scarlet L. He should have. He wants laws that throws that, that throw them out of the country, confiscate everything because they're trying to destroy America. And how can you ever get along with people like that, Bill? How can you get along with them? Mm-hmm. And that's uh, that's Sam Adams in a nutshell. Later on, he actually helps draft the Articles of Confederation. And when the war is over, you think, well, maybe things will calm down now, right? Well, you would hope so, yeah. You'd think that, but we're talking about Sam Adams here, who, despite his Puritan values, is kind of a, uh, well, he's still a firebrand. And he still sees some of the people in this country, the new country as it is, as dangerous to to the Republic. He sees them as a, quote, clear and present danger to the Republic. And how do you get along with those kinds of people? How can you possibly negotiate with them? And so he goes back to Massachusetts, where he will spend many years promoting Republican virtues under the Montesquieuian idea, if you've been following my show at all. Yes, sir. And, and this idea that we have to preserve the Republic and preserve liberty. And how did he do that? We find out with Dave Bowman as Dave does history on Bill McLive. And we'll take your calls if you want in. It's 321-768-1240. As we uh, get a little lesson in history about Sam Adams, and it's a whole lot more than beer, which were the only pictures I could find to put on the website today, so I didn't. We're back in moments on WMMB. I'm Bill Mick with WMMB Radio in Melbourne, Florida, where we have a governor that will actually stand for what's right. My show airs mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern. Every day we discuss news, politics, and social issues that impact us all. Tuesdays in our 8 o'clock hour, Dave joins me for something we call Dave Does History, where Dave brings us events from our past that contain lessons for right now. To listen live, find WMMB on the iHeartRadio app. Dave Does History, our weekly journey through the Wayback Machine. Dave Bowman is with us on Bill Mick Live. The West Coco Pharmacy making the hour possible. You want in with Dave as we uh, close up a Tuesday morning, 321-768-1240. And uh, Dave, where are we at with Samuel Adams now, sir? You know, there's a lot of stuff we could, I mean, I'm looking at my notes going, we got to pick this up because there's no way we're going to get through all this. But Sam Adams is... A remarkable individual, because as I've talked about, he's such a firebrand and he is such a Puritan and he is such a close minded. If you don't agree with me, you're trying to destroy the country and I'm going to get rid of you kind of guy. But as after the war, he becomes the governor of Massachusetts and helps build Massachusetts back. He is. Busy promoting Montesquieuian virtues when it comes to republic, including, by the way, free education. 
for both mm-hmm. boys and girls, which is straight out of Plato. There, you doesn't get any more Republican government than free education, which is something most of us don't want to hear today. Right. He really believes that the society of Cincinnati is a, is a bad thing. This is a, a military nobility. It's a threat to the Republican government. And again, he implements policies that protect property as liberty. And it's these policies that will actually primarily lead to what we talked about a couple of weeks ago with Shea's rebellion. He actually kind of causes that with his intolerant policies. But it is in 1787 where Sam Adams, I think, really becomes an American framer, an American founder. Sam Adams is an anti-federalist. Even before the convention starts, he says, and I quote of the convention, I smell a rat, unquote. He believes that the convention is to do nothing except take away the liberties of the people and destroy the state governments. And he is against it. He opposes it. He's just he's just absolutely dead set against the idea of the Constitution of the United States. Sam Adams, the guy that we celebrate with beer, is against this. He makes speeches. He writes letters. You know, he's still that guy. He's still a very good communicator. And he is elected to the Massachusetts ratifying convention in 1788 by the people of Boston. So here's this guy going to the convention as an anti-federalist. And you would expect then for him to be very vocal, very adamant about why the Constitution is a bad idea, which before you send me your emails at Dave at the Dave Bowman show dot com telling me why would anybody be against the Constitution? There's reasons why. Number one, it's not a republic. It's been a fun conversation you've been having on your show. Yeah. So you would expect him to do that. But the people that elected him to the convention pulled him aside and said to him, we are in favor of this and you are representing us. And Sam Adams goes to the convention. He makes his, his comments. He says he's against it. But in an act of statesmanship, Bill, he says, but the people who sent me here want me to vote for it. And Samuel Adams votes for ratification of the Constitution under the conditions that we get the the Bill of Rights, even though he personally opposes it. Now, you've got anybody in Washington, D.C. that would do that today? Not a one. Yeah, not a one. Not a one of them even knows that Sam Adams did this would be my guess. So there you go. His final years, he retired in 1796 following the example of George Washington suffered a tremor disease and passed away in 1803. And so much like John Hancock, we know the name, but we don't really know the man, do we? No, not at all. And that's to our detriment. It really is. Now, there's one other example here I want to use of this idea that we can get along. Adams didn't personally support the Constitution. But he got along with the people who sent him there because he recognized the fact this is what the people want. And that's what a republic is really kind of supposed to be about. I was doing some research for this last night. and I came across a letter that was written 
by a man by the name of David Reddick. He's a Pennsylvania anti-federalist who wrote a pretty telling letter. It's on my website if you want to see it, where he talks about the fact that this, this Constitution is outrageous. There's no Bill of Rights. There's how come Congress has this authority? How is this a republic? He wants to know. It's not. And yet when he goes to the to the convention in Pennsylvania, he looks to Sam Adams and Sam Adams supported the Constitution with amendment, the Bill of Rights. And David Reddick will do the same thing. And I kind of wonder about him because I wonder if he knew my great, 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 great grandfather. But, you know, it's it, it, it's an example of how one person who has spent his entire life as the man when it comes to the revolution, as as the firebrand Puritan who hates everything that isn't Republican, but understands that the people are ultimately sovereign. And so he he does what the people have asked him to do. You know, it's not like they're asking him to sacrifice cows or something. It, they're making a realistic thing. They need a government and they he compromises with them. And this influences other people like David Reddick to do the same thing. And I think even in that action, Sam Adams was still the man. He was still leading the way into becoming the nation that we eventually would become. Can we overcome the same problems that they did? Of course we can. We just have to look to their example for how to do it. And that's a good idea. We're back in 60 seconds to wrap up Samuel Adams with Dave Bowman on Dave Does History on Bill McLeod. Dave Bowman with us as we're wrapping up Samuel Adams. Let's get a quick call in, Dave. Mario's in Cape Canaveral. Hey, Mario, good morning. Good morning, guys. Hey, uh, Sam Adams seemed to reflect a number of the different uh, values that were passed down from uh, the Scottish Covenanters back in, what was it? It would be the late 1500s, 1600s. And they they were, of course, slaughtered by the English, you know, hunted and, and, and just slaughtered uh, by, the, by the thousands. And they, they took off. They, they went to other parts of the world. They eventually ended up, many of them ended up right here in this country, and many of them ended up in politics. And I'm wondering how much uh, influence the, the ideas uh, uh, espoused by the Scottish Covenanters uh, were were reflected in some of uh, uh, Sam Adams' uh, uh, ideas. Great question, Mario. Dave, any thoughts there? Well, keeping in mind that it's been thirty years since I was in seminary, so I'm 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 kind of pulling some stuff off the top of my head. Sam Adams as a Puritan, as I recall, the Puritans were fairly consistent with the Covenanters, but don't quote me on that. the The idea of religious opposition to the crown was was a major deal in Great Britain across the board. And, and this is what leads to, as I said, the English civil war where, where Cromwell takes, you know, over and chops off King Charles's head and then the restoration. And the reason the pilgrims come to America is because they're Puritans and they want to get away from, from the crown. It is interesting though, that these groups, these Coventers, these Puritans, they all tend to settle in the Northern part of the country, new England. And they are just vehemently anti-crown, vehemently anti-British crown. And so it's no big surprise that that's where the revolution really gets its fire from, because these people have been fighting this war for literally 300 years. Very, very good. Um, As we look at the result, we were talking a moment ago that, we don't think anybody in D.C. can do this. 
I don't think they could. I don't think they want to. I don't think they understand, Bill. Are you happy with the status quo? Well, the status quo is power. The status quo is none of these people have Republican virtue. They they don't even understand it. They use the word Republican, Republic, Liberty, Freedom. But they're just words to most of those people. They don't understand any of this stuff. One of the things I've been doing is going back in ancient history to try to gain the understanding that the founders and framers had of these ideas. Because they did follow the oh, Greek philosophers. They, they did take a look at Rome. And I've been listening to you, Dave. I've been paying attention. I get it. They understood this stuff. Today's politicians, and I don't really care which side of the aisle you're on, and I'm saying this with love. I'm saying this about my own congressman who you know lives down the road here. Um, when it comes to the historical understanding of things, I, I don't think there's anybody in Congress that has any, certainly not in the White House, they, they're morons. They don't grasp these concepts, and because they don't grasp these concepts, they think that it's just words that sound good on a piece of paper. It's like going to church, you know, people sing the songs. They don't know the they, the words are just memorized. They they're just rote activity. No There's no depth to it. They don't understand these things, and because they don't understand these things, that's why they're not willing to change. Sam Adams understood those things. He understood Republican virtue, Montesquieu virtue. He understood those things. And that's why he was willing to change. None of these people are. But until we put people in Washington who do understand those things, I don't know that we'll ever be well, able let to me really put a twist on that. Do we have a system that will <laughs> let that occur? Do we have, can that person get elected to that? I'd like to think so, but you and I both. Yeah. Under the current situation, because Again, I think electing the right people can be a benefit. Right. But, but the problem is the system is so corrupt. You're telling us they're going to tell us what we want to hear. Right. Then they're going to go to DC and forget everything that they thought because they know nothing of people like Sam Adams, who were statesmen, who were servants of the people rather than rulers of the people. And eventually. com and Dave's bibliography be found on today's show page at BillMick.com. Dave, always a fun and interesting lesson. I do appreciate all the work you put into it, even if you change it during the two hours before as you're listening <laughs> to the show. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Go make it a good day, Dave Bowman. It's been a good day for us. Thank you to the West Coco Pharmacy. They made the hour possible. Stormwatch page at BillMick.com. All the latest on Hurricane Ian brought to you all throughout hurricane season by O'Galley Electric. I'll see you in the morning for a wide open Wednesday.